Hey, Mark. Hey, Matt. What's going on, man? Not much. So, uh, Emma Fletcher is here. Yep. <laughs> hey, Emma. Hi. Excited to be here. So, Emma runs in the same indie hacker circles as Mark and I and is super awesome on Twitter. Uh, she runs several super interesting businesses that hopefully she'll tell us a little bit about today. Um, but some of them include Learn to Solder Kits, uh, an e-commerce company, as well as Evergreen Support, which is like a productized, uh, productized support service, which sounds really interesting. And she does it all in public on Twitter. So we figured like, come on and tell us your story and teach us some things because fuck, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll teach some things and learn some things too. So... So I want to start with, what's your dog's name? <laughs> oh, my dog's name? That's Kira. She's about five years old. Um, she loves that I work from home now all the time, and she sleeps mm. under my desk for a lot of the day. She's pretty lazy, actually. Is she a healer? Uh, yeah, she's a mix. So, okay. you know, a few a few things in there. She's about 35 pounds. Um, she doesn't have okay. the energy level, though, of, you know, your typical healer mix, which that's okay. Sure. Yeah, Mark and I both have like work at home assistants, aka dogs that like sleep under our feet and hang out with us. Yeah. It's critical, nice to really. Have a friend, right? I think it's it's nice to have somebody somebody home with you. Though I have started going to a co working space now, once okay. in a while. I just started maybe two months ago. Okay. Um, you know, I've been home for a long time, working from home. Yeah. You know, the, the traditional, you know, it was a March 2020. Um, I was still working as a software engineer at the time. Mm. This COVID thing came. They said, okay, take take home your laptop. We'll see you in two weeks, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, like, sounds good. You know, and, and we it had always been a flexible work situation sure. anyway. So no big. We'll work from home for two weeks. And, you know, two weeks became... <laughs> Two years, two fucking um, years. you know, career change and then full-time indie hacker all happened. And then finally, about two months ago, I was like, I think I need a change of scenery. I'm going to try uh, doing co-working a little bit and, and see how I like it. So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, are you social in your co-working space or what kind of itch is, is the co-working space scratching for you? Yeah, I think social is definitely one of the reasons that I joined. Um, another part is just a, a change of scenery, too, helps, I think. Man, yeah. You know, especially when you're home, it's easy to get drawn into different things. Oh, well, I'll let the dog out. Oh, well, let mm. me just do the dishes. Let me, you know, I'll just, and then I'll get back to it. And um, I realized that maybe it was good to come to the co-working space and just, there's a desk, there's coffee, and that's it. And I can just focus. Uh, I, I don't come for like eight hours. I'll, I'll typically come in the afternoon, do kind of a working session and then, you know, go home afterwards. And do you have a, is there a real community around the co-working space? Like, do you attend meetups? Like, yeah, what's your, what's your circle look like? Um, I would say there's some community. I was kind of hoping maybe for more. Um, mm. And that, and I started joining some online groups as well to kind of okay. fill that need, which is how I met Mark. We met through Indie Worldwide, yeah. so meeting other, you know, bootstrap, you know, business owners. Um, Twitter sure. is another place I've been connecting a lot. Um, I was always very social at my office before, you know, I know a lot of people, they said, oh, it's great. I love working from home and never seeing anyone. I didn't feel that way. <laughs> um, it was it was hard um, yeah. for me to, to be at home. And so, 
you know, trying to find that new community as an indie hacker, because it's very different, you know, it's just a different mindset, different people. Um, so connecting, and I, I found more connection, I think, online with, with other indie hackers than I have in real life. But if you're in Sacramento, I would love to hang out with any other bootstrapping <laughs> indie hackers. Let's get coffee, you know? Totally. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, COVID killed me. Like just, yeah, not being able to leave my, surprisingly locking yourself at home for two years, like isn't great. Uh, who, <laughs> who who thought? Um, but yeah, I, I, I discovered the same thing. I started, I found a co-working space and just getting out of the house and every, every person I meet is, it just, I, I'm so grateful for it now. I, it, it reminds mm -hmm. me of what I didn't have or what I was given, what I had to give up at the time. Mm -hmm. And especially now, like I have since moved across the country and the co-working space I'm in is amazing. It's so vibrant. Like everybody's really friendly and yeah, like it's what a difference having like an in-person community makes. It's awesome. That's awesome. How about you, um, Mark? Are you, <laughs> you're quiet. Uh, you your work from home. <laughs> I'm still at home. <laughs> for, for a while, I was in a co-working space. But uh, since I moved to this new neighborhood, like in 2014, the, there weren't, there just weren't any around here. So, and, you know, the kids are at school all day. So it's like, it's sort of quiet around the house. I can be, I, I could be productive. <laughs> but these days, it's been harder, like this summer like the kids were off and now i have a dog so <laughs> that's another distraction and my wife doesn't work during the summer so like this yeah it's i could definitely use a co-working space right now but now everything's going back to normal so i think i'm hopeful yeah now that labor day is over i feel like the co this co-working space is, is filling up again it's like oh kids are yeah. back at school time to hit the <laughs> time to hit up quench let's go i'm not going to be able to get a meeting room pretty soon it's going to be ugly so Emma, can you tell me all about Learn to Solder Kits? So sure. I was I was going through your timeline and it looks like you've been running it for like, is it seven years? It's seven years. That, that's correct. Wow. I'm a, I'm an OG. Yeah, <laughs> you know, before seriously. Before hacking was indie hacking. I mean, I don't know. I, um, I, yeah, I mean, I started a long, long time ago. I didn't know what bootstrapping a business was. I'd never mm -hmm. heard of that. I'd never heard of indie hacking. The terminology, I think, then that a lot of people used was like side hustle, right? Sure. That was, that was right. a big terminology. And, you know, it's one of those things that I was in this community of makers, right? And that's really how I got started on Twitter. And and makers are kind of people who are interested in 3D printing and maybe interested in like DIY electronics. I mean, there's a lot of different facets to what being a maker is. Sure. Um, and I was very involved in that community when I was in college. And then after college, I did a lot of outreach events, Um teaching people engineering skills. I, um, I had found in engineering school that there was just a lot of people who, once you showed them what engineering was, they got really excited about it. Uh, right? That's but they, cool. You know, they had been told, oh, it's all math, right? Oh, oh you know, you got to be yeah. really smart to, to do engineering. <laughs> oh, you know, it's all the nerds, you know? Like, sure. <laughs> and they had this image in their head of what engineering was. And then when you show them, oh, but you can build your own ideas, whether that's in code or it's physical, they would just light up, right? And then, you know, it just, the ideas start flowing and they want to build all the things and make robots. Um, and so I found that really rewarding. So I started doing a lot of outreach and that's where Learn to Solder Kits came from. Um, I was doing outreach. I wasn't happy with some of the products on the market that were out there for other solder kits. And I said, well, I've got the skills. I can design my own and and it sure. just started from there too cool so 
Yeah. So, so did you, were you using, uh, like a, a pre-existing like learn to solder kit and you wanted to improve on it or yeah, what was the state of the world when you yeah started? Yeah, like there, this? there's a couple, um, kind of older soldering kit, uh, companies out there they do a lot of different things and I, I was using their kits and typically the kits would actually be supplied by wherever I was volunteering right so okay. somebody would be organizing the event they'd say oh Emma you know how to solder when you come do our solder workshop our sponsors have bought these kits right, right. I would show up and it would be all sorts of things, you know, it might be a very complicated project. And they gave me 30 minutes to do the project with the kids, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's not going to work. You know? Uh-oh. Um, it might uh, be a low quality product. You know, their sponsors went for the cheapest one. They didn't know, right? Sure. And they just said, like, a solder kit's a solder kit. Um, so they go for the cheapest one. That would have different problems, right? And so I was like, okay, I want to design something. I'm just going to teach this kit every time, you know, I'm going to make it right. really engaging. I wanted to make it tactile um, because I found people love, you know, they hit the button, the LED lights up. It's, it's simple, but it's so engaging, especially for students. Right. Um, yeah. I want to make it quick, right. You can get that sense of reward in 30 minutes. So they want more instead of a six hour project that, you know, your attention span starts to wander and off you go right. and you sure. have a half finished project and you never come back to, to engineering. Right. Um, so that inspired me to design the kit and I designed it and I started teaching classes with it at a, a, a makerspace, a local makerspace. Right. I started sharing it. I, at that time I was on Facebook. I wasn't on, on Twitter, but I had like a, a Facebook with, you know, all my friends were kind of nerds too. They're all from engineering sure. school. Started sharing it on there. People started buying it. And I was like, oh, I'll just start selling more of them. And I really didn't have a plan, to be honest. I didn't see myself <laughs> in seven years, you know, down the road. Okay, I'm going to do this full time now. I'm going to go on podcasts and talk about it. That was <laughs> definitely not what I thought. But I'm, I'm happy that, that that's where this journey has taken me so far. So because you were like, you were like a full time software engineer, right? That's correct. Uh, yeah, I had studied. I studied computer engineering in school. I I liked writing software. I had a bit of a talent for it. I did internships in it. It paid really well, right? right. And so I was like, "Great, I've I've made it," you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I got my first job out of engineering school at Intel, and so I got this job at Intel. Mm -hmm. They give me this offer letter. I mean, biggest number I've ever seen, you know, in my life. Right. And I'm like, totally. great, I'll go, I'll go do that and I'll write code and it'll be super fun. And it was fun. I mean, I had I had a great time. I did find that maybe corporate America wasn't the best fit for me. Um sure. and so I kind of started from there, I started going to smaller and smaller companies, um, you know, startups, VC backed startups. And I started doing that and the companies got smaller. And you know, you finally reach a point where I'm like, maybe I should just be be the one running the company, right? right. Let's see, <laughs> let's just a company of one, you know, let's go for it. Um and but the whole time I was I was doing these soldering kits. I, I started a few other businesses in there as well. Um, but soldering kits was the one I think that I was most passionate about, which is why I was able to do it for six years as a side hustle, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, other businesses they had different challenges or I would lose interest or you know, whatever it was. Cause yeah, I don't I really don't know what e-commerce entails, right? Like but when you have a full time job, like 
how many hours did did it first, take? It wasn't much, right? I, I wasn't selling a lot of kits, and I, and I kind of looked at it as like, oh, this is going to give me a little bit of a spending fund for my maker habit, right? Being a, a <laughs> hardware maker, you know, being into that, you know, you want cool tools, you want cool parts, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, just sell some kits, and then I can, you know, justify to myself why I'm spending all of this money on maker equipment um and so it's kind of like a, a a fun fund for me to build other cool ideas and at the time i was actually building some like installations for music festivals and, and other Ooh. types of these projects i wasn't making a lot what? of money on them like a little <laughs> little <laughs> bit of money but hours of work right sure to produce something like that uh, but i was enjoying it and so the the solder kits were kind of to to fund my habit right mm-hmm. um and but i just kept doing it i would get these emails from from parents who would say you know like oh my kid always watches me in my garage and you know i'm building a drone or a robot he's a little too young to work on the drone so i bought your solder kit so he can sit next to me and you know be a part of this and i get to share this experience with my kid or teachers would email and you know that like that was worth more than money, I think, to yeah, help for yeah. this project, right? And so I think that's what sustained me through all of those times. It did start to get to be too much, though, right? At, at some point, I would say probably around 2020. Yeah. I could do it for a while, and it, it just steadily grew. And then we hit this point where, you know, I guess enough educators were using it, or word of mouth. I didn't really change much, but it hit kind of this inflection point. And I started packing kits and I got to a point where every order came in. I was like upset about it. I would no. be like the order would come in and I'd be like, oh my God. I, and I was packing all of these myself okay. at the time. A lot of e-commerce people don't do it this way. So don't mm. think this is the, the traditional <laughs> route. Um, you know, they go out for, they find manufacturers, whether in the U.S. or in China and those people handle it. I had a little bit of a perfectionist streak with my product so i wanted to control everything right i wanted to put all the parts in the bag i wanted to you know staple all of them i wanted to make sure the package was right and send it out and the great part was we almost never had customer complaints almost never had customer returns right Mm. high quality the downside is i only had so many hours in the day right to, to pack all these orders so you know i'm packing all these orders. Um, I live with my boyfriend slash longtime partner. He's also a maker. He's packing orders with me, but he has a full-time <laughs> job too. I mean, at one point, and this was in 2020, we get a, we're getting towards Christmas time. A couple big educator orders come in and I had to call up some friends and say, hey, oh, wow. I really hate to do this to you. I'll get you beer, pizza, like whatever you want. Will you come over on Saturday and keep back kids together? I only wanted to do that once, right? You know, you can yeah, only do right. that so much. Um, and so at that point, I was like, okay, I think I need to hire somebody. Like, if I'm going to keep this going, I think I need to hire somebody. I was very nervous about it. Um, I heard horror stories of people hiring and then it goes bad and you know so i was kind of at this point but i was like it's either i hire somebody or i scale this back or shut it down or sell it or do do something else right um and so i hired my first employee in march of 2021 and then my life got so much better (laughs) and i became a much happier person (laughs) so what was what was in the boxes you were packing and like Mm -hmm. 
where did you get the materials? Yeah. Oh, great question. So in, in everything that I pack, and the kind of the nice thing about Learn to Solder Kits is it's a DIY kit. So you exactly. don't have to <laughs> assemble it, right? <laughs> um, and it's kind of funny. I started Learn to Solder Kits thinking I would move on to actually more advanced electronics products that were assembled. And I was like, yeah. oh, Kits is a great place to start. But then Kits ended up going way further than I thought. So the Blink <laughs> Kit is the first kit that uh, we started with. And that has three LEDs, three push-button switches, uh, battery holder in it, uh, the PCB, the battery, and then a little kind of insert card that has instruction, you know, where to get your instructions. Right. So it's, you know, maybe 10, 15 parts that go into a bag. Right. You can pack them pretty quick. And we created these efficiencies to pack them all. Um, but, you know, eventually the number just overtakes you, right? Sure. And for suppliers, we were, you know, at first I was just ordering kind of from whoever. I might order from Amazon. You know, I wasn't ordering large quantities, so I couldn't get big price breaks. Right. Then, you know, those suppliers would be like, we can't fulfill your orders. You know, you got to go somewhere else. Um, yeah. So I ordered. There's a company called DigiKey. They're a big supplier. Yeah. Um, I'd go to AliExpress, Alibaba, and find these different suppliers. I, I keep having to kind of move up in suppliers, right? Because you do sure. reach a point where they're like, yeah, no, like you can't buy out all our stock. Like you're not right for us. Um, but I don't have a background in e-commerce or supply chain, right? So they would just sure. kind of call me up and be like, okay, go, like go away. <laughs> oh, man. I would like Google frantically and like, okay, who can help me fulfill these parts, right? And it's very much learning as I went, right? Very unprepared, I think. <laughs> so is that, does that continue to be a problem today? Like, are you yeah. still working between suppliers? Yeah. I would say that continues to be something that I, I am working on. I think I'm still trying to learn how the big brands do it. You know, some right. people will, they'll get, um, like supplier agents in China who will help them do some of these negotiations. I don't have that. Um, and so one of the things I've started doing recently, really in the past like two weeks, is I've started trying to find more e-commerce business owners to connect with and talk to, mm -hmm. to figure out, you know, how did you do it? It's one of those things where I don't want to talk to like the gurus or the, sure. you know, the get rich quick. I want to find real people building real brands and how are they doing it? So I'm, I'm using Twitter to connect with people. I'm using Indie Worldwide to just try and set up phone calls like, hey, tell, tell me about your business. When you scaled, like, how did you solve this problem? You know, and, and it's hard to find answers because every e-commerce brand is so different, right? They're totally. in different spaces. Um, but the maker community is hugely helpful. They're very active on Twitter, just like the kind of indie hacking community and they have been so helpful. There's been a number of business owners that I reached out to. Hey, would you do a virtual coffee with me? And, you know, can we just talk? And and all of them have said, yes, no problem. So I think I'll get through it, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah, because I saw your tweet earlier today about um, like the first 1,000, like mm, yeah. uh, starting a podcast, speaking with other people in the e-commerce space to understand how they kind of get off the ground. And mm -hmm. I think that's brilliant that's super smart but just like it it certainly to me feels like there's gurus and then there's like the big void of uncertainty of like well i guess i'm just gonna try this like i don't know what i don't know and all right i guess let's yeah. do it um and I so it's 
a, a lot of people who started this, you know, they start from kind of the same place. I was. It's a passion, right? It, yeah. Sure, making money is great, and you know, sure. we all have to pay our bills and everything. But they they start from maybe a hobby um, or something like that, and you know, there's a lot of things you can do to scale that people just they don't know, right? Because they've always produced one candle, right? But producing. <laughs> 500 candles is very different and there's different things you can do to improve. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot because I, I have had a lot of people reaching out saying, oh, wow, you know, I saw what you did with what you're passionate about. Now I'm trying to grow this. Can, can we chat? And I, I'm always available to talk if there are people growing their, their e-commerce brands. I, I'm happy to chat about it. I don't have all the answers, but I will give my best, you know, insights that I could come up with. That's so rad. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's so nice to hear, to just hear that there are more people out there who are willing to help. Like, I think certainly for me, yeah, that knowledge barrier is really scary <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's super nice to just know that like, no, people are actually so willing to help. Um, there, yeah, we have, we all have something to, to give back. And I think the, the two communities that I kind of sit in in Twitter, right, I would say is the maker community and then the indie hacking kind of build in public. And I think they both share that. I think that's something that really drew me to both of those communities mm. um, is that the people are really open. They're really supportive, you know. I talked to some of my real life friends and I'm like, oh, yeah, I met this person on Twitter and they're really cool. And they're like, Twitter's terrible. It's just full of all these trolls. Yeah. Like, what are you doing on Twitter? I'm like, well, that's not really been my experience. I mean, yes, there are exceptions to every rule, but 99% sure. of the people that I meet are just so open and willing to talk and share their experiences. And, you know, when you're coming into this with no idea what you're doing it, it makes a big difference so i try and give back too right because i've learned a lot so i try my best to share what i've learned as well totally so i've got lots of questions about you hiring your first employee and i okay, okay. <laughs> it was a very scary time for me so I, i'm happy to share all the whole emotional spectrum that i went through on that process and i think fear held me back a long longer than it should have and that's why i mm. often talk openly and i tell people on twitter you don't have to do this alone there are lots of options out there for you whether it's hiring an employee hiring a contractor or some other thing just just be open to it and, and think about what your life will look like because if you're trying to do everything yourself you are going to burn out it it will come right <laughs> <laughs> that's me <laughs> Um, and, you know, and I was at that point, right. And then I, you know, I won't say it solved all of my problems, but hiring an employee really helped. And I think I, I had some advantages too, that, that I didn't realize in that, like my life in corporate America and startup America and all of that as a software engineer, um, I hired a lot. I interviewed software engineers mm -hmm. a lot. You know, it started with interviewing interns. And then as I moved up, I would interview mid-level and then senior level, right. I'm sure the, the skills are different. I'm not hiring a software engineer right. to work on Learn to Solder Kits with me, but I'm looking for a lot of the same things, right? Somebody who's open to feedback, somebody who's willing to learn, uh, somebody who's a good communicator. And I realize now looking at all those skills from my software engineering career really translated to doing a good job making my first hire uh, for learn to solder kits. And I think sometimes we think, oh, that, that doesn't apply, right? That, that's a whole right. different world. But actually, there's some lessons that 
you'd be surprised to end up translating. And so when I decided to hire somebody, um, there were really two choices, right? I could have gone the manufacturing route, found a manufacturing partner. They would have taken on some of that kitting process, different steps for me. I would pay them some sort of flat rate or, you know, we would negotiate something. And then from their warehouse, they would ship to either, you know, my customers or I do a lot of business through Amazon and they would ship to Amazon who then ships it out. And my kind of controlling self was like, oh, that sounds not good. I don't like that. I want to hold every, you know, kit before it goes out just to make sure that it matches what I want. So then the other option was, okay, I'm going to hire a W-2 employee to work for me. And we're, you know, we're in the throes of COVID at this time. And I'm like, how I don't have a space. I'm running this business out of my house. I mean, like, you know, what, what am I going to do? And I'm like, okay. Well, what if I take one thing that I do a lot of that's very simple and I just find somebody to do that one thing and then, you know, we'll go from there. We'll just see. It's, it's a mess. Then we'll <laughs> re- rethink the plan, right? Or if it works, then great. So I posted on Indeed.com and I posted and I said, okay, I'm going to hire somebody to work five to 10 hours a week to do this kidding. I know exactly what they're going to do. Here's some of the qualifications I'm looking for. And they can work from home if they want, and they can work flexible hours because I'm still working as a software engineer at this time. Right. I'm not going to go sit over somebody's shoulder and watch them put parts right. in a bag, right, for you know eight hours. Or whatever. That's just not going to work. Were you hiring locally, like in Sacramento? I decided to hire locally. Okay. I, you know, I'm very open to remote work. I'm very pro mm-hmm. remote work. Uh, but I just felt like for my first hire, I was like, I want somebody here. And there's a lot of physical things we had to swap, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm like, I, they can be in the greater Sacramento area, right? I'll just post the greater Sacramento area. And I decided I would set it up so we would have like a pickup and drop off day during okay. the week where we would do all our swaps, right? And then otherwise they could work from home because they said, you know, this is early 2021. I mean, COVID, you know, nobody's really back at work yet. And I I think I wasn't vaccinated yet. I hadn't become eligible even. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just figure out how to do work from home manufacturing. I don't know anybody who does it, but I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. (laughs) And so I posted this job thing like, oh my God, nobody's going to apply for this job. This is weird. It's not a lot of hours. Like, what in the world? I post the job and the next day I wake up in the morning and I go check and I've got 80 applicants. Holy shit. (laughs) You have a new problem. (laughs) I have a new problem. Too many people want to come, right? And I mean, I'm sure they're playing the applicant game, you know? I mean, I've done it sure. too. You apply to as many as you can. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to filter all of these. So I clo- close down the, the listing, right? I'm like, okay, I'm not accepting anymore. I go through, I found about five candidates who I was like, okay, I'm going to give these people a call. They they seem like a good fit. So I did kind of five phone screens, I would say. Uh, one of them I really connected with. You know, she was looking for a part-time situation. She really needed to be able to work from home during COVID. And I was like, no problem. This will work great. Um, and then I did like a, maybe another 30-minute video call with her. Went really well, so I hired her. <laughs> And she still works for me and she's, you know, fantastic. And I, I started wow. with really, really small tasks, right? Because I was, right. you know, that concern, like, okay, here's a really small task. I'm going to check all of your work. Probably like the first two weeks I checked it all. It was really good. 
okay, then, you know, the next big test. And I really built each step. And I mean, it was a time investment, right? It was probably sure. three three months of training, just working up the different steps. But when she learned something, she knew how to do it. She was really good at it. And after I checked it a few times and she'd asked a few questions, okay, that's your responsibility now. Right. <laughs> it's not on me, right? <laughs> and, you know, I, I first started with just assembly. I hired up to that. But then I, I also added some shipping and fulfillment um, tasks onto that, fulfilling customer orders. I've taught her how to use the Amazon platform, which is super confusing for sellers. If you've ever been on the, the selling side of Amazon, picked it up, you know, but a lot of that came from, okay, I've hired people before. I've trained people before on new jobs. I understand how to break down this big problem of, all the manufacturing and the shipping into bite-sized pieces that we're gonna you know train and and it's really paid off i mean like i said i became much happier after after <laughs> i hired her and i don't think we could have scaled to to the size that we're at now it just it would have been impossible so how did how did you like when it when you're training this person and it's mm -hmm. taking up a lot of your time like how do you know not to give up and keep going or that's a, I mean, that's a good question. Um, and, and I've talked with some other business owners who are like, oh, I'm going to train this person and then they're going to leave, right? Or right, something, and too. you're going to lose that. I, I mean, I understand that fear, right? I mean, I think for me, it was, I'm it, training her is going to be kind of a forcing function to create documentation because I didn't have any documentation. You know, it's all up here in my head. So I was like, okay, at least I'll create a lot of really clear documentation. So I would pick a topic we're going to train on uh, the day before, a couple of days before I would document everything. I took pictures of every step. I wrote everything out. Um, we would then do the training. And then I was like, well, at least I have the document, right? If, Okay. If this goes sideways, at least I've got the document. It's not going to change. Um, I could hire somebody else to do this if I needed. Right. Um, but thankfully, you know, she she stayed. I mean, a lot of that is a gave her a raise. If she has good vacation time, you know, there are things you can do to make it a good relationship for everybody. Um, sure. So everybody's happy in it. So it works works well. Does she handle all of your packing? Are you still packing units? What does that look like to her? Uh -huh. So I typically don't pack units anymore. She she handles it all, though I will say two weeks ago, <laughs> I stepped in to help with some packing. We were seeing a lot of back to school orders oh, and, yeah. it, and it just, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's fantastic, right? Sure. Uh, but it was also one of those things I was like, I didn't, I didn't project this enough, right? Let me... <laughs> step in so you know i i did a very limited task to, to help her out with about 500 units um so we could do that and and i do also do vacation coverage right because you know people got to take time off that's very important and so mm -hmm. i do step in and do uh, vacation coverage though typically she prepares uh, a lot of stuff before she goes on vacation for me which is great uh, so she'll she'll drop off all these things she'll be like okay here's all your stuff right and, and if you yeah. get an order you know just pull from this bin she's very organized i think we connect on that a lot which is really nice and she sounds like a star. That's awesome. She she is yeah. a star. She I compliment her a lot, but I mean she's she's just been really really great. And and I like I said I've heard a lot of horror stories before I hired, and so I want to 
be out there saying there are there's good people out there it could be a good fit you know um the job just really fits well what she wants to do she wants part-time work she wants to work from home and so it it was great to find somebody where those are the main benefits that she was looking for um and it just complemented the business well and you know i've scaled up her hours significantly like i said it started at five to ten now she's typically around 15 to 20 and with the holidays coming that's gonna gonna go up even more <laughs> so you hear that, I, Mark? I think <laughs> I mean, it, it is getting to the point where it's like, okay, maybe employee number two, maybe I go that contract manufacturing route, um, and maybe they do a sub-assembly that will be shipped in, and then my employee or myself will check, or, you know, there, there's some options there. Um, but for me, having somebody, I recall, in-house has been really valuable. I do work with a lot of contractors, too, who are great. But when it comes to the quality of the product that I deliver and touching every single product and making sure it gets to the customer, I just think having that person who, who's an employee of your company does make a big difference. Totally. Well, it sounds a lot too like having that in-house person help to sail some of the fears that you had about lab. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to ensure this quality, it's got to be perfect. Yes. Yeah, I definitely, I think that's very true because hiring out, it, you know, your one contract of 10 contracts, 15 contracts, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure though people say, oh no, you know, my contractor is great and I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Um, but, but for me, it was, it was a big fear that, uh, you know, just taking that offsite and, you know, it's somewhere in China and, I'm over here in Sacramento and, you know, then there were all those shipping delays as, you know, a lot oh, of logistics yeah. problems. I mean, the the bonus is my business kind of skipped all of that. Like we really didn't hit the same level of logistic problems that people shipping from China. And sure, there's some parts we use, some other items that we needed, but it wasn't like my entire product was stuck on a boat <laughs> waiting to get into the U.S., we were able to to do some smart things and you know some scrappy things to work around it, and we ship mostly USPS, right? And I go down to the post office and you know drop it off, and it would be a day or two late maybe because even the post office was saying delays, but it wasn't as bad um, sure. as some other sellers have it. Man, that must have been crazy. I'm just thinking about like. Yeah, seeing like the ever given or whatever stuck in the yes. <laughs> stuck in the Suez Canal and it's just like oh god. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. it was it, you know, I follow some other seller podcasts and other things. I mean, it was not only was there the delays, right, which they're going to put you out of stock, right, but then shipping costs, international shipping costs went way up, right? Mm. Can your bottom line handle that? Yes, no, maybe, right? What do you do? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's one of the reasons I do kind of advocate for maybe keeping stuff in-house, at least when you're you're small and you're trying to to figure it out. It it may cost a bit more, right? Because I pay a California US employee to do this. You know, California minimum wage is much higher than other places, even in the United States. But it gives me a lot of peace of mind and, and to totally. me it's worth it. Yeah. Shipping physical goods is hard, right? That's the, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah. I would say there's some things that I think are easier than software, right? And hear me out. Um, one thing about software is like, you have to convince people to pay for it sometimes, right? Like think about like apps. I feel like this this falls a lot, particularly on phone apps, right? It's like, you're like why is it this free? This software, you can make a million pounds. When you sell somebody a physical good, they're like, oh, okay, I give you money and now I have this physical, it's a very clear relationship mm -hmm. right yeah. no yeah, one expects free yeah no one expects free. sure there's people here or there who want it cheaper or whatever but in general it's a very traditional transaction um mm. while software depending on your customers you may have customers who are more or less willing to pay you for the software but your profit margins are, are much higher right software so it's just a trade-off mm. yeah you said something there before that really uh, touch something in me, this idea of peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Like, it's interesting how, I, I mean, even on, so like, you know, I, I've been writing software professionally for a long time and, you know, having monitoring in place and all of these kinds of things, it's like, I'm, it's, I'm trying to quell that like anxiety <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> and even though it's like, oh, it's just like a small project, it, you know, it doesn't matter, run an experiment, whatever. But part of me is still like, no, I need that peace of mind. Please give me something <laughs> to hold on to. So it's kind of interesting that, yeah, that, that continues to exist, even in the hard, even in the, the physical world. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I, I would say that I definitely find it more when I talk to sellers who have designed their own product, right? Who, whether it's, you know, you can think of Etsy sellers, maybe your handmade sellers, there's them, but then there's people who maybe design but don't manufacture their own product. They still, sure. tend to still be very attached to that quality, um, which I really resonate because I have that same thing. There, there's another side of e-commerce, which is drop shipping, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of where you're a reseller of somewhere else's products. I would say I don't, I'm not an expert on drop shipping because it's not something that I do. Um, they tend to go for a lot more units because they're maybe getting a lower profit margin. Right. Um, and in their case, it's like volume, volume, volume when you're looking at a small, you know, kind of boutique e-commerce item, volume's still important, but your profits can also be higher because you're selling something unique. Sure. Can we talk about software now? Yeah, I was just going to say. So <laughs> let's, let's switch. Swap. <laughs> it's just because I, I really love the idea of Evergreen. So oh, I'd yeah, love to sure. talk about it. I, yeah. It's, so Evergreen is kind of, it's an idea that that's, uh, it kind of was in my head for a long time, right? And Evergreen is designed to be a productized service of customer support. Um, so in a way, it's not even software itself, right? It, it is a service providing support for e-commerce sellers, SaaS creators. I found that running my business, the context switching of answering a customer could be very jarring sometimes right you're you're sure. in the mode whether you're fulfilling orders or you're you're having a coding day and you're you're really focusing that customer email comes in and you're like oh i've got to respond to it right yeah. you want to provide great customer service it's important um but then it's like oh wait i gotta switch back now what am i doing and i really wanted to hire somebody to help me do this right um and i just i looked around for a while 
a lot of the solutions, particularly in the, the e-commerce space, is hire a virtual assistant, uh, hire yeah. somebody abroad. Um, they're not as expensive and, you know, they'll help you. And I was like, I don't know about managing a virtual assistant and, and how that relationship would work. I wish I could just give somebody the top 10 questions that I get sent, you know, get them set up with alerts on customer emails. If something comes in that they don't know, they can ping me, then I can have that distraction. But, you know, if it's one of the top 10, just let them have a nice kind of response, friendly, quick response, and off they go. So I decided to launch that as a productized service. Um, and And did it in a week right i did it in a week yeah i and it it really i think it was less about the idea of evergreen and more like i was like "Ah, i want to launch something i you know i've been doing learn to solder kits for seven years i'm feeling kind of stuck i have a lot of ideas that are just kicking around in my head let me just get get one out there it fails it succeeds it, it doesn't matter i'll put it out there for the world and then i can either work on it or I can move on with my life. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I work with a business partner. Her name is Ellis. Um, and, you know, we bounce around ideas and, and I told her that when she's like, yeah, let, let's do it. And I was like, okay, okay, let's do it. I guess <laughs> um, maybe, you know, not as thought out as some other indie hacker launches, <laughs> but it was really fun. I mean, I had a great time. I, I didn't, reveal necessarily what the idea was uh, on Twitter. I kind of shared little tidbits. Oh, it's going to be a productized service. Oh, it's kind of helping other business owners, you know, and then I think on Friday I did like the big reveal. Um, and it, it was fun to have a lot of people kind of cheering you yeah. on. And right. um, it was, it was very motivating. So I think I, I want to launch more stuff like that. Uh, but of course, once you launch it, then you're like, Oh, I got to run the business too. <laughs> Um, and so for evergreen we actually we have three customers right now that we're supporting uh one is a b2b SaaS. uh one is like a it's a b2c hardware slash software company they have some custom hardware and custom software as well and then one that we just signed this month is actually an event and so it's it's only a one month contract they're doing an event and um, they, they're expecting about 10,000 attendees. And they're like, you know, we're the event organizers. We got a lot going on during event week that we need to take care of. It's just very hard to watch the inbox. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, we'll do it. So it's, it's a very experimental stage, I think, sure. that we're in. Um, but I do feel like I learned something from each of these customers, whether long-term or short-term, um, it's interesting to see what challenges they face. Right. Um, And it also gives you kind of an insight into how other people run companies too, which is a personal (laughs) kind of fascination of mine. I think kind of everybody (laughs) on Indie Hacker Twitter, I mean, you can get into the weeds, right? And really see what's happening, good and bad. I mean, I would say I've definitely learned a few things and I'm like, wow, that's smart. I should have been doing that all along, you know, and then a few other things like, okay, well, maybe we can have some improvement here. You know, maybe here's some operation steps we can take. Um, We'll say, I don't know if long-term doing a productized service in customer support is going to be where it goes. Uh, but we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of open to taking it different directions. I've been getting a lot of requests from e-com sellers to provide support for them. 
um, but in different ways, more on the business operations side than necessarily customer support. Oh, I don't what know. Would an, what would an example of like on the operations side be? Um, so looking more, maybe more at their supply chain, looking more at expanding to other marketplaces. So like maybe an Etsy seller who's thinking about expanding to their own Amazon store. Um, you know, what would it take to do that? You know, how many units do they need to plan for? How are they going to support it? How are they going to market it? And, and I'll honestly say I have people approaching me for this and I don't feel like an expert in this space right sure i know a couple <laughs> things and i've done some things um but you know it, it's interesting to see people kind of approach you and say oh you could you could do all of these things like please do it for my business i'm like whoa i'm still trying to figure stuff out on my own i got no clue what i'm doing like i'll be honest <laughs> how much is that is imposter syndrome <laughs> I think that's that's true. I think a lot of it is is kind of imposter syndrome. And I, I was talking to a friend the other day and, and he was like, do you think you'd feel this way if you were a man? And I was like, I don't know. It, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, right? Mm -hmm. Like how we get socialized. Um, and I was like, I don't know. I know a lot of people who are, don't have big egos, but I think I think we're so used to the loudest people are the people with the bigger egos who... Yeah. You know, they're selling whatever course or whatever, get rich quick, and they're retweeting themselves a million times a day. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, you know, that we're used to that, right? And so somebody who's maybe in a different space, right, or is a little more modest, we, we don't hear their voice as much. But that's why I like your podcast, because I think you both you come at it, you know, from, from a very real place. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the fact that you have a successful e-commerce store, I think is proof like that you know what you're doing. A thousand percent. Well, I, think I, think, I think success is always this moving goalpost, right? Because like from your perspective, yeah, I mean, I sell a lot more e-commerce than you do. But then, like, yeah. there's a lot of people out there who, you know, the seven figure sellers, the eight figure sellers. I mean, they're doing revenue numbers that are way beyond um, what I do. And so it's kind of that question of like, am I an expert? When do you become an expert? I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't. Yeah. I guess the, the people who call themselves experts are not experts, right? That might be <laughs> They're the true. ones that are retweeting themselves and <laughs> spreading wisdom every day on Twitter wisdom, instead of right? actually the, selling stuff online. <laughs> your nine tips, right? Just follow these nine steps in their thread. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just read my thread and you'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> but I do think that I love helping people, right? I love, I do it on Twitter. I do it in DMs. Um, I think that is something I'm really passionate about, but saying like, oh, you should monetize this. And I, I for me, I just, I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> you know, cause I don't want to be a, a guru. I don't, Sure. but I, I do want to help people and it, it's, I'm still figuring it out. I would definitely say I'm figuring out what the, the right balance is. Totally. But you're, you're at a good spot, like a good intersection, because you know how software works and how you can build software, mm -hmm. and you have experience running an e-commerce store. So, it's, mm -hmm. so even if an e-commerce person has more experience than you in selling, they don't know how software can make their life better, right? That's true. 
and how customer support could be automated or systemized. Yeah, yeah I think I, I do love making great systems, right? That's definitely something I'm passionate about. I think, and whether it's code that does it, or it's no code, or it's really good documentation, like there's many solutions. Uh, it just makes me so excited. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I think that's what I wanted to bring to customer support with Evergreen, right? I was like, okay, what if I really help these people get a, get a handle on what their top questions are? Let's do a little data analysis in there and see you know, where 90% of your support requests are. And let's help you get a handle on that. Maybe not fully automated, maybe not a chat bot necessarily, but some sort of playbook um, will right. make your life a lot easier. Um, and that's definitely what, what drew me to it. And a lot of people hate customer support. Because <laughs> they reinvent the wheel every time, right? They're like, oh, for this new question, now I've got to come up with a new answer. And, um, you know, they're not at a place to fully hire somebody, but they could use a little help. So sitting in, in that space. I mean, that just sounds like, to me, it sounds like a, an awesome customer base to have because like, mm -hmm. there's nobody who I want to help more than somebody whose hair is on fire of just like, I need help. And to search out and seek that help or be approached for that help. It's like, oh God, please just take the, take the ball. Oh my God, take the ball, please. And like, yeah. And especially your, your methodology of like, how can we turn this into a system? How can we like do some inference and understand like what the playbook is to like streamline this? And then to even mm -hmm. say like, great, like, you know, we can take over this part for you because we've streamlined it. Like it, it just makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, I think it also ties back into even my experience with learn to solder kits by, you know, like wanting to hire someone, being afraid to hire somebody that, you know, just like all of that experience, like, I really want to help people who are where I was, right? Maybe it isn't hiring totally. an employee for their situation, but if I can take a little bit of something off that founder's plate and make their day a little bit better, that would be super rewarding to me, right? Oh, yeah. And so I think that's where the inspiration comes from it, you know, but I will also say it's one of those things you can launch it, right? It's a great idea. You get some customers and you're like, Oh wow, you know, this is this is real now, right? And like sure. <laughs> how can I best support this person and their business? Um is, is an interesting question for each customer we have who are all very different right now. Um and I think the answer might be honing in on what the right customer is. You know, right now it's very broad. I've launched it very broad. And I think there is a narrowing that that's definitely gonna happen. I'm not sure what it is right now, but I'm exploring it. Okay. Can I ask, when you go out to find those initial customers, are you afraid of what they might ask of you? Or like, tell me more about that. Because that, that's something that I personally am scared of. Like approaching mm -hmm. people who I have a belief that I can help, but it's like, mm -hmm. ooh, but can I? Like, am I going to fall out my face? And this is just going to, I'm going to waste my time and theirs. And this is going to go up in flames. Like, how do you approach that? And like, do you, do you have a strong, just a strong conviction that you can help? Like, yeah, what, what's going on there? Good question. And I don't think I can help everybody for sure. I mm -hmm. think there, there's definitely a, a right person. Um, for me, I really like to get them on a phone call if I can. And I think that a 30 minute phone call to me just really opens up a lot of information in the way that they talk about their business, in the way that they talk about their customer support. And I think you do have to have a bit of a philosophical alignment as well. 
you know, when I approach customer support, it's very much like, yeah, we'll give you the refund. Yeah, we'll send you the replacement part. Yeah, you know, whatever we can do, just quick. You know, even if it costs the business some money, let's do it quickly to solve the customer problem. Yeah. Not everybody runs their business like that. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, just a philosophy. And I don't think I can help certain people who maybe don't align with me on that that philosophical level. Um, and, you know, that that's okay. That's, you know, we're not all meant to work with everybody. Um, But I've also been really impressed by some of the phone calls I've had where, you know, you just have that connection very quickly. And, you know, they really quickly understand the value that uh, myself and my business partner, Alice, can bring. And, you know, from there, the the sales haven't really felt like sales, if you know what I mean. They just, they're like, yeah sounds great send you know send me the invoice where do i sign i'm like awesome this is because mm, yeah. as an engineer i was afraid of getting on sales calls definitely to start and and i still get nervous i wouldn't say i i'm a pro um but i like asking them questions and seeing what they have to say and, and going from there sure sweet so we've been going for about an hour now um i don't know uh maybe we want to think about closing it out um, unless what do you think mark do you have some more questions you'd like to ask yeah, I could keep talking for another hour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> Emma, has, Emma has a life uh, and these yes. two things. Uh, I just sit in front of my computer and pretend to work. No, so, me yeah. too. I just tweet. <laughs> yeah, I spend my time on Twitter. Cool. So maybe this is a good place to start winding down. Um, why don't you tell the world what you're up to, Emma? Like, where where can they find you? Sure. Or if you want to plug all your stuff. Yeah. Well, I think Twitter is the main place to find me. So I'm at Emma Fletcher. Um, I tweet not as regularly as some, but pretty regularly. I share updates there for Learn to Solder Kits, which is at learntosolderkits.com. And then Evergreen Support, which is my new venture, evergreensupport.co. Sweet. Thanks so much for coming on. This is super fun. I'd love to have you back when you have more to share about Evergreen and just, yeah, like more about everything you're doing. Yeah, thank you for having me. It, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, thanks. All right. Uh, catch you all next week. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>